Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. God's, uh, God's actually been speaking to me a lot lately about spiritual disciplines. And it was really interesting. If y'all missed Katie's message last week, go back and listen to it because it was so good. But I feel like this is supposed to be like an off-topic month, but obviously the Holy Spirit's trying to do something because I feel like we're getting a theme. And, you know, I got to say this to the 11 o'clock specifically, the 9 a.m. was great. Like the Holy Spirit's over there. But there is something about this service that even as I was sitting there, I was like, what is going on? Y'all, the Holy Spirit is ready to wreck some people in a beautiful way. Like he is ready for some chains to come off. I can't even articulate what the Holy Spirit was saying to me as I was sitting there. So there are some people in this room today that you've been praying for that breakthrough and God is about to release it. He's never held it back from you, but you are finally ready for it. So that is coming. That was, that was for you guys. That was unplanned. No. Um, so yeah, God's been talking to me about spiritual disciplines and I'm starting to realize that like, I'm not the only one who struggles with this. Anybody else? Yeah, like this is church. We can be honest about that. There's grace for that, right? And the thing is, is when I recommitted my life to Christ, this was like nine years ago, I ended up in a very legalistic environment. So yeah, like we prayed, we fasted, everybody got set free like every other day because apparently if you sneeze, you can get demons. I don't know. It was weird. There were just like a lot of rules about things that you couldn't, couldn't do. And it got really weird. And I realized one day that I had developed a relationship with man-made instruction and not the God that I was claiming to serve. So I made the decision to walk away from that. And this wasn't recently. This was like five years ago. But when I stepped out of that environment, I realized, hey, I don't have to do these things. And you don't. You don't have to do any spiritual discipline, okay? You should want to do it out of a love for God, not out of like a fear of getting in trouble. And I wasn't in that place. So I basically just took a hiatus on spiritual disciplines. Not because I didn't love God, but because I needed to experience him outside of structure. I needed to just encounter him in my daily life. So I took a little break, and that's fine for a season. But spiritual disciplines are kind of like uh, going to the gym. You know, like, it's totally fine to take a break from the gym if you get, like, an injury, you're overworked, whatever. But at some point, you have to get back in the gym. And when you've been out of the gym for a while, getting back in the gym feels, like, impossible. (laughs) So that was my struggle for a while. So if any of you, if your spiritual disciplines, like, pieces of it has become, like, a couch potato, then this is for you. And don't lie, we're all working on some things, so there ought to be something that everybody takes away, okay? All right, so the title of this message is Put on the Armor. And I knew when God was speaking this to me that it was from him because, like, I'm competitive. I just am. If you were at the volunteer training, you know this about me, that I'm, like, irrationally competitive, okay? It's bad. So (laughs) when I get asked to teach on something, this is what my flesh does. My flesh is like, I'm going to find the most obscure piece of scripture that people have hardly ever studied, like as if there is anything new in a book that has been preached on for like 2,000 years. Y'all, my flesh is ridiculous. I know it. I'm just being honest. But so I knew this was from the Lord because he started giving me downloads about a pretty well-known passage, and that's Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. So if you have your Bible, you can grab it, follow along. It goes something like this. Finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Oh, hold on, I'm losing my place because the phone is really tiny. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so this is like a demon slayer's dream passage, but that's really not the main point. Like this is an instructional passage, okay? It's like jam-packed with how-tos for Christians. So we're going to kind of take this apart and figure out what is Paul saying? Why is he saying it this way? And what does that mean for us as Christians? So point number one, you're a soldier now. Okay, so this is an instructional passage about how to become spiritually disciplined. And one of the ways that we do that is by fighting for people and against the enemy, okay? See, the Bible is full of fighting language. And I personally, like, I love that. Like, I know I'm, like, super sweet with, like, the blonde hair, but there's something about the idea of, like, kicking butt and taking names in the spirit that I'm like, yes and amen. I love it. And part of the reason why is because spiritual warfare has always been super real to me. Like before I got saved and even after. I did grow up in church, but I didn't really start walking with the Lord until I understood spiritual warfare. Okay? So, and I can't go into like, I don't have the time to go into the full facets of my story, but I will tell you this. I got saved while I was high on meth. All right, so when you're whacked out on drugs, like demons are very real. And you, you don't have to, like, put your hand up, but if you've been in that environment, you don't, nobody has to tell you that spiritual warfare is a thing. Like, you see it firsthand. And I had seen it firsthand, okay? And the thing is, is demons, they are real. I mean, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just they're talked about all over the Bible, and you can debate about spiritual warfare all day long, but we can all agree that, like, the whole purpose of the kingdom of darkness is to jack with people who love Jesus, Like, that's what he's here to do. He wants to separate us from God, and he will do that through Mormons, through atheists, and yes, even through Christians. I mean, I hope I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. If you've been saved for like five minutes, you probably realize that the enemy is still coming after you, right? So when we get to heaven, total peace and joy. But while we're here, because we live in a fallen world, like, we have some work to do. And part of the way that we do that is through fighting. But here's the thing, though, and I love that Paul clarifies this up front. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Okay, so you can't be, like, laying people out in the Starbucks line in the name of Jesus. Okay, that is not how it works. You're taking it too far. That's not how it works, okay? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Guys, you have to realize the worst parts of us are just the parts of us that have been spoiled by the enemy. Okay, God is good. And he created us in his image. That means the core of who we are, our kingdom calling, our root identity is good. And the parts of us that aren't good, they're not from him. So here's what that means. It means when people act a fool, that's not even them doing it. 
It's not them doing it. It's really easy to have love and grace and forgiveness when you realize that people acting stupid, that's not even them. They are reacting out of some sort of corruption in their spirit that came in as a result of a demonic influence. Okay? It's not them doing it. And we have to, we have to get this before we can even talk about tools of battle. Because otherwise we're going to be in the wrong fight. And so here's the thing, you don't need to be, and I'm not saying this to invalidate your feelings, but I'm saying we don't need to let ourselves be hurt by people who hurt us. We don't need to get mad when people are rude. We don't need to let hate take a seat in our heart when people are bitter and nasty because it's not them. They're not bitter and nasty, rude people. They're operating out of a bitter and nasty and rude spirit. And have you ever considered that some of those people that you think are just the worst people in the world, have you ever considered that maybe they are that way because people always talk about them that way? Our words have weight. And one of the ways that we bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth is by reframing the way that we talk about other people. See, this entire letter in Ephesians, it's actually talking about unity. That's the bulk message, right? And in the grand finale, Paul wraps it up and he's basically like, hey, By the way, unity should be easy because your battle is not against people. So it ought to be easy for us to love each other, okay? Our battle is not against people. And here's the funny thing, too. I don't know if y'all have realized this. Like, when you're walking around in spiritual armor and you're deflecting the attacks of the enemy, people want what you have. Like, everybody's all, oh, the world's going to hell, and people need Jesus. And yeah, that's true. Like, people do need Jesus, but we're supposed to show them Jesus. And it's very hard to do that when you are, like, letting the enemy just slap you around because you're not using the tools that God equipped you with. All right, so point number two, put on the armor. Sorry, I feel like I'm being so mean today. I don't mean to be, but I also feel like this is the kind of church that can handle it. Like, we can all get, like, slapped around a little bit, and we're going to be okay, you know? Like, we've got that spiritual maturity. We're ready to go. So point number two, put on the armor. This may be super obvious, but, like, you have to put on the armor. Did anybody catch Tim's message a couple weeks ago, you have to do it? If you didn't, go listen to that. It's incredible. But, like, you have to put on the armor. The Bible does not say, let the Lord outfit you with this armor. It just says, put it on, period. All right, so let's look at some of this armor that Paul's talking about. First off, I'm super analytical and very nerdy, which is how I knew this church was home, because nerds rule the world, right? Yeah. So as I was reading this, my first thought in my analytical brain is like, Paul, you make no sense. Because if I was going to write about putting on armor, I'm going to write about it in the chronological way of which you would put certain things on. But it's not listed this way. Interestingly, after the word stand then, it starts talking about the belt of truth. And don't get me wrong, like that stand then, it's talking about the whole armor, but it's weird to me that he put the stand then and then the belt of truth. Because like I totally feel like a warrior princess when I picture myself like standing firm with a giant shield, you know, but like a belt. Like, stand firm with your belt. It just sounds stupid, okay? (laughs) So, but I realized as I was praying about this that a belt only has function when you're standing up. When you're sitting or lying down, it is useless. Now, think about this in the context of truth. Okay, truth lying down, 
doesn't do a whole lot. Truth is meant to be a piece of armor that holds everything together as we move forward in this Christian walk, okay? The second interesting thing about a belt is that it can be expanded or contracted. So here's what Paul's saying. As you're walking around doing your whole Jesus thing, like you're going to hear some things. And sometimes you need to loosen up that belt buckle and make some room for God to show you new things. But other times, you're going to need to shrink that thing down to cut out some things that you thought were truth, but they're not actually truth. Guys, I don't know one person who's been saved for a really, really long time that still believes exactly the same things that they did when they first got saved. And I'm not talking about the core principles like Jesus is Lord and saved by grace through faith. I'm talking about these little theological nuances. Okay, for most of us, our theology evolves because our revelation of God and our understanding of him, it grows. Because the more you spend time with God, the more that you're immersed in his presence, you learn new and new things every day. And there is so much depth to him that we should never arrive in our understanding of God, okay? Your theology evolves and it transforms, and it should. That's a good thing, okay? That's a great thing. And because, you know, when you get saved, like, God's not going to dump all the mysteries of heaven on your lap right then because you probably aren't ready for that. He meets us on our level. But here's the thing. He's also meeting other people on their level, which means it is not up for you to decide what truth somebody should receive when. That's not our job. Like, worry about your own belt. And I'm not saying, like, don't keep people accountable and don't speak truth. But, guys, there's a difference in having a spirit-led conversation that leads to freedom and repentance. And you just taking that belt off and wielding it like a spanking tool as if you're everybody's father in heaven. Okay, we got to get this right. All right. So the next thing he talks about is the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate is a defensive weapon. It's designed to protect your heart and your internal organs. So here's what Paul is saying. Your righteousness is your defense. This is why the Bible talks about how everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Because can you do whatever you want? Yeah, you can. But whatever you do, it has an impact. And sometimes it can damage our defenses. So like, yeah, if you want to watch TV every day, that's totally cool. But if you're watching The Walking Dead every day, like that's going to have an impact. And I like The Walking Dead, but I need about a thousand rounds of Jesus to every five minutes of The Walking Dead, okay? Like things have impact, they just do. And so we need to be intentional about what we're filtering through our spirit because we want to keep our heart protected. All right, so next he talks about putting the gospel of peace on our feet. Do you know why he put the gospel of peace on our feet? Because sometimes in order to keep the peace, you need to walk away. Y'all, there's really only two choices when it comes to walking. You are either walking towards something or away from it. So every step that we take needs to be filtered through this idea of peace or division. And if the step you're about to take is going to bring division, you need to walk away. Y'all, we don't always have to say something. Like, if you're just stepping up to somebody and fighting with their demons, you're in the wrong battle. And again, there's a difference in having a Holy Spirit-led, uncomfortable conversation with somebody that leads to freedom and all the wonderful things, but that's not the same as just stepping up to somebody to prove your own rightness. Okay, those are two totally different things. So things are going to bring peace or division, and we need to be sensitive to the Spirit so that we can know how we need to step. 
All right, the next thing it talks about is the shield of faith. Faith can be talked about like a million days and we would still have stuff to learn. But here's what I think is important as it relates to this. Faith can grow. Okay, we see that in 2 Thessalonians 1.3 where it says your faith is growing more and more. And then again in 2 Corinthians 10.15 where it says as your faith continues to grow. Okay, so faith can grow. And if faith is your shield, it means your shield can grow. That ought to be super encouraging to us, guys. Y'all, faith is believing in something that you have no evidence for simply because of the character of the one that you're putting faith in. Let me say it another way. Faith is knowing that seemingly impossible things can happen simply because God is God. This is why it's so important to have a personal relationship with Jesus because the enemy is constantly trying to misappropriate his character. He wants you to believe that God is going to smite you. He wants you to believe that you have to be perfect to gain God's blessing. He wants you to rely on man-made ideas of who God is because he knows the more and more you understand who God really is and what he will really do, the less and less ground the enemy can take from you. All right, so next it talks about taking the helmet of salvation. Here's the interesting thing about a helmet. There's actually two interesting things that we need to notice about this idea of a helmet. First off, helmets back then weren't just helmets. Like you couldn't just walk over and pick up a helmet and throw it on. They were custom fitted to the shape of a soldier's head. Okay, so that means this is not talking about the blanket gift of salvation. It is much more personal than that. It's talking about your specific salvation story. And the second thing that I find really interesting is that Paul, who is a super smart guy, says to take the helmet of salvation. Not put it on, although obviously you would put it on, but he says to take it, as in you need to just receive this free gift. Just take it. We don't earn salvation. It's just a gift. Like, we just have to take it. And a helmet is designed to protect your head. Because the enemy will try and attack you with lies in your mind about your past to try and convince you that you weren't worthy of that gift. But here's the beautiful thing. That thing that God specifically saved you out of that caused you to say yes to him, it's armor now. The thing that the enemy was using to try and keep you away from God is now the testimony that protects you and pushes you closer to God. Praise God for that. He flips everything around. All right, and so the final thing is the sword of the spirit. A sword is an offensive weapon, okay? It's designed to kill something in front of you, all right? Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Okay, so the word of God is designed to kill the things of this world so that the things of God can live. And this is not talking about the word as in just the Bible. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. It means anything that God speaks. So what he's saying in your quiet time, prophetic word you got at the grocery store, like whatever he says, it matters. It is an offensive weapon now that we use to help set people free and fight against the powers of darkness. All right, so we put on all this armor. We're fully outfitted. Now we have to use it. So point number three, use the armor. This might seem super obvious, but like Jesus doesn't need any of that armor. Like he is the word of God. He's like the epitome of faith. 
He shows up and demons flee, right? So this wasn't for him. This is for us. This is a gift that he gave us because he knew we wouldn't have the same kind of power that he had. Now hear me. The same spirit does reside in us all. I'm not trying to like go against scripture or like make your theological brain explode. Okay, so yes, the same spirit resides in us all. However, if God were to give us the full measure of his power, even in our imperfections, we would wreak havoc on the earth. Okay, God gives us his power in proportion to our character. I had a friend one time tell me a story about how she was joking around with another friend of hers, and she made just the offhand comment, like, you're so dumb. And the second the words left her mouth, the Lord spoke to her, and he said, if I were to give you the kind of power that you've been asking me for, she'd be dumb now. Think about that. If we had the full measure of God's power, whatever we say, it would happen. I don't know about y'all, I'm not ready for that. Like, I'm good for this 30-minute segment, but who knows what's going to happen in the parking lot, y'all. I'm just being honest. Like, I don't want that kind of power. Has anybody ever seen Bruce Almighty? Okay, that's what happens when you get the full measure of God's power without the full measure of his character. So he gives us pieces of him incrementally according to what our need and what we're ready for. This is why it's so important to become spiritually disciplined. It doesn't have anything to do with him. It has everything to do with us because he wants to pour out more of us or more of him on us. And the more and more we can discipline our flesh to submit to the spirit, the more he can work through us in new ways with new power because we can actually handle it responsibly. And the funny thing is, ironically, we're all good to rely on the Holy Spirit's power when it like, has to do with him. Like, when we're praying or doing ministry or believing for a miracle, we're all about, like, oh, yes, Holy Spirit, give me your power, fill me up. But then, like, we stop there, and we don't let that continue on in our daily life. Here's what I mean by that. Anybody struggle with balance? Like, pretty much if you have, like, a spouse, kids, job, really more than one thing on your plate, you're probably struggling with balance. And you've probably heard people give you advice like this. You just need to rest. You know, you just got to prioritize. You may just need to pray about, like, cutting some things out of your life. And don't get me wrong. This is all good advice. Like, you should rest. You should prioritize. There may be some things that you do need to cut out of your life. But the problem is, is that, like, you can only cut so much. Like, I can't wake up and be like, you know what? I'm just not going to be a wife and mom today. Like, I can't do that. I can't wake up one day and be like, I'm just... I'm just not going to work anymore because I've just been really tired lately and I feel like I'm struggling with balance and like I'm just really having a hard time right now so I just can't work anymore and the Lord will provide. Okay, you can't do that. I mean, you could do that, but you're probably going to be real hungry, you know? So we can't do that. So there comes a point where like there's only so many things you can cut and then it's like, okay, but like God called me to all these things, so what now? And the thing about balance is if God's called you to something, he's going to provide a way to do it. But the problem is, is that our culture has gotten so focused on what we need to remove that we've stopped focusing on what we need to submit. And we need to submit every part of our life to him. 
Guys, the things that God's called you to, and I'm not talking about like these big destiny things. I'm talking about like taking out the trash, driving on the highway. Okay, those are the things that we need him in. We need him in every part of our life. He didn't design us to do this thing alone, okay? So we need to have a reliance on him. The funny thing about this whole spiritual armor thing is that it's really just our normal spiritual disciplines. What Paul is really saying is, hey, put on Jesus. Like, put on the Holy Spirit. Let him teach you. Let him make you righteous. Let him protect you. Like, just do what he says. He makes it, God makes it super easy on us. I mean, our entire Christian walk can pretty much be summed up like this. Uh, Spend time with Jesus and then do what he said. That's so easy. Like, bam, match, set, game. There you go. Done. Okay? He makes it super, super easy on us. But there is a level that you have to do. So, yes, spend time with Jesus, but then do what he says. There's an element of that that you have to have some personal responsibility. See, the reason why some people are walking around free and some people are walking around in bondage is because they understand this. Their perspective is different. Because a free person will still get attacked by the enemy, but what they do about it will sound totally different. It's the difference in, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Versus, hey, I need to adjust some things. I need to grow my faith a little bit so no more arrows get in. I need to put this helmet like on right so that no more lies come in. I need to tighten up this belt so that some false teaching falls off. Okay? Guys, half the stuff that we're walking around blaming God for, he had nothing to do with. And I'm not like saying this to shame you, okay? But like we can't be walking around going, I'm just struggling with lust today. But then you're watching TV shows every day where everybody's sleeping with everybody. Like, no wonder. You can't be like, I just really have a hard time hearing the Lord. But you don't ever read your Bible. Like, and again, I'm not trying to shame you, but we have to realize what is on us and what is on him. Because half the time, God's just looking down on us like, I, what, what more do you want from me? Like, I gave you my son and forgave all your sins. I gave you my spirit to be with you in anything you need. I give you my voice however you need to hear it. I gave you armor to protect you in anything. Like, I have given you all of me. And he has. He's given us all of him. That's an incredible, incredible thought. He's given us every single part of him that we could possibly ever need or desire for no other reason than that he loves us. And all he does is say, I've gifted you and equipped you with things that are better for you, that are going to make you happier, that are going to fill you with joy, that are going to protect you, that are going to help you get people set free that you love. I've given you all these things freely. Will you please just take it and use it? He makes it super easy. And guys, you may be in the place that I've been in where you're realizing like, hey, I, I could do better at some things. Like, maybe you've been struggling for a while. And maybe you've been thinking to yourself, like, I don't have some pieces of that armor, and I think I really need it. That's okay. Guys, God knew that we weren't going to be perfect when he called us. He knows that we struggle, okay? And he still said yes. So it's okay if you're struggling. It doesn't matter every day that you got it wrong. What matters is the day that you decide to get it right, That's the one that counts. So let's get it right today. 
Man, you guys can you guys can come up. I love how they just appear out of nowhere. It just makes me feel like so cool. Like I'm just gonna bring my band out. It's fine. <laughs> but guys, if you've been in that place struggling, that's okay. Here's the beautiful thing about what God does with us. He just gives us things. Like we just have to receive this armor. We just have to put it on and walk around with it. Basically, all he's saying is, can you just walk around in a giant Jesus suit? Life will go better that way. So as the band comes up and and starts playing, let's just receive. Like, let's just receive his grace. Let's receive his love. Let's go back to that place in our mind when we first got saved. Is there more a more powerful and incredible place than when God saves you out of something? I don't know about y'all, but in that moment when I was like high on meth and not knowing what the heck was going on and the Lord encountered me there and I got set free there, y'all, everything else is a breeze. I don't have to question God anymore at all because if he can save me out of that, there's nothing he can't do. It's incredible. So let's all think back to that place. Where were you when you said yes to Jesus? And if you haven't said yes to him yet, here's the beautiful thing. You can at any point. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.